Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I'm an editor at Lookout Landing. Uh, and currently, for the first time in a long time, uh, I am not joined by my typical co-host, Kate Prusser. Uh, Kate is out enjoying the wonders of the world uh, with uh, apparently socializing with friends and trying a new trivia uh, night at some bar. So uh, we are making do here, as she has done many times before. Uh, thankfully, I am joined today uh, by two people I know quite well, um, and readers of the site likely know as well. Uh, on my left is uh, staff writer Grant Bronsden. Grant, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. It's hard not to be doing well after a D. Gordon home run. It is the rarest of gems, uh, but it but it shines brightly nonetheless. To my right, reclining, uh, smugly, uh, staff writer Zach Gottschalk. Zach, how are you doing? I'm great. I I really appreciate that you're giving our listeners a real overview of the geometry of the room. <laughs> it's important. It's important because we're all recording on one mic, so I feel like uh, you're you're going to get a lot of right earbud from Zach. You're going to get a lot of left earbud from Grant. But less left earbud than you'll get right earbud because we know Zach's going to talk over all of us. Indeed, John. I I don't think that your microphone has like a left right stereo thing going. I think it's a mono input microphone this is the top shelf macbook macbook pro zach they wouldn't call it <laughs> macbook pro unless it was for the pros um speaking of the pros uh the mariners are are, are coming off uh, well a mixed bag of a road trip i would say um three games in texas uh that went seven games in texas was well yes you know fair point stated and corrected three, three games in Arlington and four games in Houston um, 
I feel I feel all right at the end. Uh, and it, additionally, obviously finishing with three games uh, in Oakland the past couple days, I feel all right. Uh, the cumulative record, Grant, you've got it pulled up. The cumulative record over that road trip was uh, six and four. Six and four. So for as wretched as that Texas, that time in Texas felt, it's honestly... Arlington. The Houston time felt pretty good. (laughs) Thank Uh, you, Zach. (laughs) Fair point. Again, um, it's really remarkable uh, how how decent I feel like it it, it feels right now. And it's easy to feel good after a win, but I don't know. Where, Where are you guys at on the team, on the team right now? Zach, let's hear from you first. Well, I mean, to be honest, still in a little bit of shock after the, you know, not so much collapse of the last month, but surge by Oakland. I mean, I'm not used to looking up at them, and I mean, even only being two and a half games down feels pretty bad when two months ago it was 11 up on them. I mean, I guess I feel better than I would have if they'd lost today, but I still feel bad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I think big picture, this team won six games out of ten on the road trip. I probably would have taken that going in. I certainly would not have expected that we would lose two out of three to the Rangers and to the A's and somehow sweep the Astros. Uh, what first, have, first ever sweep in Houston, right? Uh, four game, I think. Yeah, or, first ever four game sweep in Houston. Not that we played fair. all that many four game sure. series in fair. Houston. Uh, More than I'd like. <laughs> that is true. Um I mean, I would have rather won those games against the A's, and the fact that we had two one-run losses to that team uh, could certainly uh, sting pretty badly in late September, early October. Mm-hmm. Uh, just given the proximity that you know it, it's to them in the standings, and how likely it is that we're going to be facing down that second wild card spot, probably going to be us and and the A's. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, there, there are bright spots. We finally have an off day for the first time in three weeks, which will be very helpful for a uh, pitching 20, staff. 20 straight games. A, a pitching staff that is that is struggling <laughs> and honestly probably helpful for the beat reporters that are also <laughs> struggling along. So this one, yeah. we'll, we'll pour one out for you, Ryan Divish and others. Yeah. Um, it, I guess, obviously, it was... It could have been worse with... With James Paxton taking a line drive off his forearm um, in Tuesday's game, and Felix coming in and admirably replacing him, and really losing that game on, I believe, I believe you guys said it was an 18% hit probability home run, uh, 300. And 20-foot home run by Jed Lowry. I'm pretty uh, sure that in the softball game last Saturday, John hit a ball <laughs> further than Jed Lowry's hit went uh, in that in that game. It is it is not out of the question. So so it could have been worse, but it's it is. I guess is there any player that the Mariners? Where where would you guys rank Paxton at this moment in terms of players the Mariners? Cannot afford to lose for an extended period of time for these for these last what is it forty games now? It's forty. Forty games exactly. I mean, is Pax the most important player that they have uh, left on the stretch? I mean, is he even top five? I mean, easily, I would say Robbie Nelson and Edwin Diaz are all ahead of him without question. You know, after that, I think it gets a little murkier, but. Yeah, I, I would actually probably go with Edwin Diaz, and a big part of that has been, you know, this team has only found success this season because of its remarkable record in one-run games, which some chalk up to luck, which is certainly part of it, but it's also because there's been, you know, uh, an all-star closer having a Hall of Fame-esque season uh, in the back end of your bullpen, and that makes it a lot easier to win one-run games when you can turn it over to, to Diaz at the end. So losing him would seemingly take out the Mariners' best way of actually getting victories, and they need every single win they can get. Um, to that point about that bullpen, I know we all went through a range of emotions for today's game, which was an extra inning game. 11 innings, I believe it was. was it, I think it was 12. Was it 12? It was 12. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So what, what, what's sort of the knee-jerk reaction you guys have when the various relievers at this point and uh come in because i know 
Zach Duke has not made a sterling impression uh, on on entrance. I mean, is it basically anyone but Edwin? Uh, and we're we're pretty much on on tenterhooks. Is there anyone that you feel comfortable, or I guess relatively comfortable with in the bullpen right now? Uh, when when they're coming in in these close games like this, Edwin and I feel good about Alex Colome. Yeah, and I feel good about. See, I don't feel no one good else. about Alex Colome <laughs> because watching Alex Colome is a terrifying experience. Well, he just the way he if he ever looked at me on the street, I'd be <laughs> I would be running the I'd shit my pants. I'm not gonna lie, I would become incontinent. See. <laughs> As unfortunately uh, visceral as that image is, uh, I do think that, yeah, watching him pitch is scary, but I still trust him. Uh, and otherwise, I mean, you want to say James Pazos, but I have not, he has not looked good at his last couple outings, and today was a terrifying roller coaster <laughs> where I think everyone in, in that was watching that game was screaming at Scott Service to pull him when he threw, you yeah. know, Four straight balls that weren't close, and then started off the next hitter even worse. In in I think it was the tenth inning. Yeah, had I mean, to face Chris Davis. I mean, the A's were one hit away from winning, like a single away from winning. In I think each of the last like three innings, maybe. Uh, I think maybe Nick Vincent had a clean inning. But if, if you guys can't tell, we have a hard time following day games with a lot of details. <laughs> it, well, it was it was. I mean, it was just like. Un, it was staggering that that the M's sort of snuck through with that. But I, I mean, it's tough because you know I can know by looking at you know looking at a player's history and looking at their stuff. You know, Zach Duke has historically been a pretty good pitcher, and he was a pretty good pitcher this year, and he's been a pretty good pitcher the last several years. And you know, Colome is the same way, and Adam Warren's the same way. You know, I mean, these are good pitchers, but Man, it would be really nice if, if you know, just one of them could really lock in alongside Colome and and Edwin, and uh, I mean, just take a little bit more of that load off of the starting pitching because not every Mike Leake start is going to result in uh, eight shutout. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that's been tough is. You know, DePoto traded for a passel of relievers uh-huh. right, right before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one who had looked the best, other than Colome, mm-hmm. was Sam Tuivailala, mm-hmm. who, of course, is now injured. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, though he is a, a lovely live tweeter of Mariners games <laughs> and brightens my day on the internet, mm-hmm. I would much rather him brighten my day by appearing and, and shutting down righties. Yeah. And whenever those innings are now going to... Casey Lawrence, I don't feel yeah. good about things. You know, yeah. we were, uh, I think it was Saturday's game, uh, one of the, the Astros games this mm. weekend, if he had not been injured, he would have come in and would have actually been able to help close the game. And, yeah. you know, we had a, a comeback at the end, we were able to win. Mm. And then, of course, you know, the uh, the game on the other night with the A's where we had Casey Lawrence just allow a whole bunch of runs. Yeah. If you had Tui Vailala take those innings instead, then our comeback at the end, helped by uh, Juris Familia walking three batters in, mm-hmm. you know, in his appearance, then we could have actually gotten a win there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, t- it's tough and it's interesting because I think pretty resoundingly you would say this year has been more fortuitous than last year injury health wise i think that's a pretty absolute statement uh but i i think it's the the placement of the injuries and the timing of the injuries or the timing of the time missed has been really fortunate as well because one i think the mariners have largely missed having any major pitching injuries which is huge um, you know, I mean, Felix has had some injuries. Pax has had a couple, but no debilitating ones. And for the large part, I, well, but the starting rotation, yeah. I mean, Erasmo, but, you know, Erasmo being filled in for by Wade has ultimately been fine. It's largely been the same starting pitchers. Yes. Whereas the injuries have been the bullpen having a ton of guys get hurt or be hurt to start with, as mm-hmm. Grant, you wrote about. 
Um, and position players getting hurt, but in a staggered way. So Mike Zunino misses the first three weeks of the year. And then Ryan Healy misses, you know, a few weeks in there. And then as those people are getting healthy, you know, Cano has a, a little bit of an injury. Or Cruz misses some time because he falls down the steps. Or, you know, but but all of these little things, you know, D. Gordon breaks his toe. Kyle Seeger also, I think, breaks his toe. But doesn't miss any time because Kyle Seeger. Um, His game is not exactly predicated on speed. <laughs> no, less less debilitating. I mean, you know, but all these things have been staggered just a little bit better. So, but the bullpen has suffered the most, I think, of any unit, and and we're seeing, you know, sort of the the limitations of that, and I think we will continue to see that batch uh, that batch of players really, <laughs> you know push to their limit for the next few weeks until we get the September call-ups and we get Matt Festa and we get, um, and there's know. a chance we get Dan Altavilla back. I and mean, yeah, it sounds like he had a rehab inning today, which I expected him to miss the entirety of the season. And I thought he'd be done. Hey, Iwakuma is supposed to go out on rehab in the next week or two. Uh, hey, I'm just saying, keep an eye out. Iwakuma closer. Absolutely. Oh, 80, no. 84 Edwin. miles I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the velocity would play up as well as the Edwin Diaz experiments. Yeah, this would be a good replacement for Nick Vincent. I, I want nothing more than to see Hisashi Iwakuma throw somehow another major league pitch oh, that, that is actually a good pitch and not an 83-mile-per-hour fastball. Um. So another thing that happened this week, uh, and and we're gonna, I think we're gonna go pretty quickly into questions uh, this week. But we we would be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, Robinson Cano, Robinson Cano's return. Um, I, I think we're all pretty firmly in the camp of uh, enthusiasm that he is back and not. Uh, not really any lamentations of of his, you know, his moral any moral quandaries there. But um, in, in terms of uh, what what your expectations are from him and and what you think is the best course of action going forward, I, it sounds like and we, we've seen him. He's played two games. He's played two different positions. What would you like to see him play for the rest of the year going forward? Because I, you know, there are a few clear options. I mean, spelling D Gordon at second, spelling Ryan Healy at first, but there's there's a lot of different ways to go with it. I mean, what what do you guys think should be done with Cano at least for the next three weeks until rosters expand? Well, I'll say I was heartened by the fact that the Mariners were willing to put D in center field today. Uh, and and Cano at second, not necessarily because it's the right move to get uh, to give us the best lineup today, mm-hmm. um, but I think it, it you know in the grand scheme of things, it shows a willingness to move both Cano and D around. Uh, I, I I was wondering whether they would feel comfortable putting D, who mm-hmm. they tried to convert to center field, obviously if they would be willing to put him back in center field after mm-hmm. eighty games where he was playing second base. Um, if you're willing to move him around, then I kind of like the idea of, and I know that uh, our, our fellow staff writer, Connor Donovan, has been uh, a big proponent of this, uh, kind of a three-way rotation where you have Robinson Cano basically play every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a righty starting pitcher, then you put in D. Gordon, uh, and you put D. Gordon in at second base, and mm-hmm. you put Robinson at uh, first base. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have uh, a lefty starting pitcher, you put... Uh, Ryan Healy at first base, and you have uh, Cano at second base. Um, and I think that that could make a lot of sense. Um, the addition of Cameron Mabin makes things a little bit a little bit easier in the outfield to, to find a center fielder. And, you know, uh, when September comes around, you've got uh, Gamble back on the roster, which I would be okay if we brought Gamble up sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, having that extra bench depth gives you a plethora of options, uh, and it seems like Service has been willing to get creative with that, which is a nice sign. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer Cano to just go back to second base full-time. I, I think he's more valuable as a replacement for D's bat than he is for Ryan's bat. I mean, I, I love D to death. I do, but he sucks as a hitter. He's not good right now. I mean, it's really painful to watch him in every aspect. I know Ryan's not exactly a lot better, but his WRC Plus is like 20 points higher, um, which I think speaks more to just how unfortunate 
D has been, as opposed to just how good Ryan has been, which is still not very. Um, so, so I just think that you're going to see the most market improvement with one Cano in the lineup instead of D, and then two, you know, D can be a good defensive replacement, a pinch runner later. You know, I, I just think his value comes defensively and on the base paths right now, and and not as a hitter. And, that seems to be the clear way to utilize him right now, at least until he figures it out. You know, Zach, I, I do want to point out, you, you call yourself uh, a bit of a statistician. You say you like numbers. Well, here's a number for you. Oh, Home God. runs in the last 24 hours. D, D Gordon, D one. Gordon. Ryan wow. Healy, zero. Yeah, yeah. No. He's, <laughs> I, he's, I love D to death. I love him so much. I, I love him. I, I, he sucks. He's not good right now. He's just not a good hitter, unfortunately. Two homers as a center fielder this year, none as a second baseman. Maybe that. Maybe we've unlocked the, Makes the you key think. form. Does make you think. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into some questions here. Um, we uh, we got a few questions here about uh, about the Mariners. A few about uh, we we put out a call as all three of us are graduates of Seattle's finest public uh, institution uh, for education, uh, Garfield High School. Citation needed. Uh, we're all here, so I think that's that's sort of I a case in point. It's more of a detriment, but... <laughs> a mixed bag. Um, so, uh, we'll start here with a question from Anthony Sater, at Anthony underscore Sater on Twitter. Uh, what would the team ERA be if the pitching staff was composed entirely of Edwin Diaz's? Does, uh, does Anthony know how to use, you know, like ESPN to look up Edwin Diaz's ERA? <laughs> Ed, <laughs> Anthony, you just Google Edwin Diaz ERA, and that that's the that's that's the answer. Well, right? that's the smartass answer, as Zach would would likes to remind us. Um, Realistically, I do worry about the idea of an Edwin Diaz trying to start a game with two pitches and having, uh, also given that his last starting experience was in double A, which is a little bit different than the big leagues. So you might have a great 7-8-9, but I don't know how the heck you get to the seventh inning with a starting pitcher, Edwin, Edwin Diaz, in the majors. You know, he's been killing it with two pitches this year. Edwin Jackson. And Eric Bedard, not this year. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe for indie ball. I gotta say, knows, these but... don't seem like great name drops to be uh, telling Mariner fans, oh yeah, Eric Bedard in hey, indie ball. Edwin Jackson. I love Eric Bedard. He was Edwin Diaz he was did, 15 and, in 2009. And he does not love the opera. But <laughs> That's fine. No one, I mean, okay. I don't like the opera either. <laughs> but Edwin Jackson has been fun. I don't know. I think Edwin Diaz could could do something as a starter. It would be so I mean if, if we're going to break this down, right? It would have Please. to be you'd need you'd need an eight-man bullpen, bullpen quote unquote. Uh, so you'd need 13 pitchers, right? Like Edwin I think has gone I don't, has Edwin ever gone two full innings? I know Edwin's gone an inning and two thirds a few times, uh, and and so you know he's and he has that starter history, so it doesn't seem unreasonable he could go two innings. But you'd basically need at least like eight of your Edwins focused on pitching two innings at a time, and then five of your Edwins focusing on throwing one inning at a time and you'd kind of just want to alternate them you know every other day right I mean I feel like that'd be the way you'd want to go about it right and so you maybe you'd sacrifice a little bit of effectiveness from the two inning ones but you, you, they'd still be pretty elite I, I think you could work I mean I've long been a proponent of the all bullpen rotation where you essentially just have guys go Two innings. You have a few guys go to it, two to three innings max, and know that they're going two to three innings max. You know, I think that's a way of really getting the most out of guys who might have limited skill set otherwise. And I don't know. I think it would be a. I think it might be a surprisingly dominant strategy if your if your players had this if your Edwins had the stamina for it. I guess it, it, it would be a little scary. 
if any of your Edwins ever had a bad outing and you needed to pull one of them. Yeah. Because A, you'd be replacing him with him. Mm. Uh, but B, <laughs> yeah. you also they, have, <laughs> you have very little margin for error when your whole pitching staff is uh, all, all relievers. Well, is it a hive mind? I was going to say. <laughs> does, does one Edwin being in a bad state of mind impact all of them? Is it like, is there one mother Edwin and a bunch of worker Edwins? <laughs> like, what's going on here, you know? I, I will say also, you know, logistically speaking, um, well, it's I just guess... infeasible. It's, you know, <laughs> I wish someone. I'm glad you had the courage to say it. <laughs> Human cloning technology is not at this stage, well, Anthony. Not only that, but I mean, yes, that obviously, but also like if a, a you know a hitting core gets to prepare for one pitcher and they see it, you know, you say, oh, you don't want a pitcher to face someone three times through the lineup. <laughs> you face him every time through the lineup for three straight days. It, however, if any two pitches are going to play, like, and, and resist the three-time-through-the-order penalty, it is that combination of pitches. Because they are just so, so nasty. Yeah. My, my main question, do they all have the Asukar song? <laughs> Every single inning, do you play that this song? This is Rob Manfred's nightmare. Every game will take so much longer because there's an entrance song for each one of them before every each inning. Every inning. That, I would go to way more games, <laughs> honestly. Just every inning, just bopping. Oh. Would, which one would get to keep the ball at the end? Because Edwin keeps one. every... Every baseball from every save, I guess it would be the, the closer, Edwin. Whoever gets the yeah. save. I think if, if nobody gets the save, I think the ball should be burned in effigy. Do we, so <laughs> that, I mean, that I feel like is a plot. If, if it's not an Edwin hive mind, that's a plot for an Edwin insurgency by the like starting pitcher, Edwins. I like a, a bit of a revolt, really. Well, I mean, they can afford baseballs, right? They're, they're yeah, but they're not special. Salary. Like, Edwin can afford baseballs, but he <laughs> yeah, wants the game baseball from the game he just won. Yeah, he can save his glove. I don't know. He's got a lot of memory. <laughs> I hope he saves his glove. <laughs> Reg- uh. Regardless, this uh, scenario of 13 Edwin Diaz's on one team pales in comparison to 25 Daniel Vogelbachs on one team. Yeah, that's a nightmare fuel right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I am curious, and I maybe that will be next offseason's test of, because I definitely need to do a pitcher. So, which I, I think after doing last offseason's uh, 25 Dan Vogelbachs, I think maybe next offseason will be 25 Edwin Diaz. I think that's... Edwin's a- Diaz. Edwin's, Edwin's Diaz. Diaz. Edwin has... I believe only one career plate appearance, and it was a failed sacrifice bunt with uh, Anthony Rizzo charging it and throwing out someone at second base, which uh, in in on Sunday Night Baseball, embarrassing. Uh, it was uh, it was really a, a real shame. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's go to our next question here. Um, this comes from Brittany Bolay at Brittany Bush on Twitter. Who is the most underappreciated Garfield alum? Uh, Grant, let's start with you. I know you were you were doing some prep. You were doing some I was, research. I, I don't know admit. if Zach has something in the in mind. So Grant. I want you to lead. Using can, can using the very it. techniques taught to me at Garfield High School, I did some research beforehand. Oh, excellent. And by taught Mr. at, I Truax's mean... Mr. favorite student. By taught at, I mean about 20% of the teachers taught me this, and 80% of them let me learn it without them teaching it to me. Yeah. Which is basically Garfield High School. Standing out of, the, out of the way. But the two that I have. Number one, Debbie Armstrong. Okay. Debbie Armstrong won a gold medal in the 1984 Winter Olympics about, you know, two or three years after she graduated from Garfield. I think that's pretty cool. And I think like, wow. people don't know that. So I certainly did not. There's number one. Underappreciated by me, if no one else. Number, Some might say unappreciated. Number two is Irv Robbins. Okay. You might say, who is Irv Robbins? Yes. Well, if you've ever been to Baskin Robbins, then you would know that Irv Robbins what? is one of the founders of Baskin Robbins. Oh, shit. Yeah. Awesome. You know what? Uh, Hell well, yeah, Irv. If you've ever wanted 31 flavors of ice cream, look no further than Irv Robbins and Garfield. Or at least like 16, 15 to 16. I, mean, I would assume it's an even split, right? 
he he had sort of half of them. Probably true. Probably true. I think they probably do fifteen for Basque and fifteen for Robbins, and they let, like either Ben or Jerry pick the last one. That's good of them. A hat tip to a rival. Zachary, not an Irv Robbins fan. No. Tell tell Irv Grant. Tell you Irv Stan. Tell Irv that four dollars a scoop is a fucking robbery. Well, Irv died ten years ago, Good. so I will not be. T- <laughs> I will not be telling Irv nor his children that <laughs> he is ripping us off. Let's hold off on contacting the children of Irv Robbins. <laughs> yes, yeah. the Irv, the, correct, the correct. Irv Robbins estate. I am which the is improv- located just north of uh, University Village. Is that the only Baskin Robbins you could think yes. of? <laughs> yes, I think there's one on like Rainier, but I can't remember. There's one in Inner Bay. Ah, that's very. Fair. There's one in Bothell. I, yeah, I don't feel bad about not knowing about these locations. <laughs> these, these are some janky ones. These are like the drug dealers' havens. You know? Okay, we can't get sued for defamation for telling people that there are drug dealers at, at ice cream stores. Let's let's be but careful. But we can get a, a LL a only reward. has one lawyer, and I don't think he's going to work. Overtime we can get this. a reward from tip lines. So uh, if we do make, if they do catch someone, all right. So, yeah. sort of a risk We're on the record. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, underappreciated Garfield alum, I mean, I, us, we do not, (laughs) we do not get our due, I will say that, we, we need to get our names out there, as village idiots, (laughs) okay, um, a strong case, uh, I think I will go with, uh, Garfield alumni, uh, Emma Dumont, uh, one of our, one of our classmates, uh, who is currently a member of uh, the cast of the Marvel series The Gifted uh, and was also on Bunheads, which I definitely did not see, but other people did, and I saw like ads for it on Twitter, which is better than anything I have ever done. So I will say it's a pretty low hit rate when I ask people, have you ever seen Bunheads, as to whether they've seen Bunheads. It's fair. But, you know. That's what I'm, makes her underappreciated. <laughs> exactly. Indiana. Well said. Um, Emma Dumont, yeah, she's also into robotics, if I recall. Absolutely, yeah. Um, sort of a, a dual threat. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. She, Shout she was, out. Emma, if you're listening to this, do something better with your time. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Hold on! Also, yeah. That felt like an actual insult, and she might listen to this, given that I'm, I know I'm Facebook friends with her. Exactly. Not also not really not helping, brag, not really helping uh, push ourselves out of the underappreciated. That's true. That's, that, true. That's, that's true. That's true. We gotta love ourselves. All right. All right. All right. Next question. All right. Uh, <laughs> so the question that doesn't get people that we know mad at us. Fair enough. All right. Uh, or, next question. For Robin's children. <laughs> the estate of... Or the Bothell Police. Anyway, continue. Uh, our next question comes to us from Patrick J. At Patrick J. Burke 84. Uh, on-air personalities this year are referring to Edgar Martinez as Hall of Famer. Or will be in the hall next year. These statements are not in the structure of a question and or stated in the present tense. As a superstitious fan, am I overreacting when I cringe every time I hear that said? I think Edgar was so close last year and he's gained so much momentum that, you know, there's always a bump in a guy's 10th year. I I think he's a shoe-in. I think there's no realistic way he misses it, which, you know, might be bad bad karma to say that it might you know it might be jinxing it but i i think that there's no conceivable situation in which he doesn't get into the hall of fame next year i think it's pretty remarkable that as recently as as three years ago in 2015 he got 27 percent of the vote 2016 he got 43.4 percent of the vote 2017 he got 58.6 percent and then this past year he got 70.4 percent so he's certainly trending up um, it's also helped that there have been many people, uh, Kate Prusser, obviously, uh, chief among them that have helped to advocate for Edgar and, and really push for him, uh, similar to the way that Jonah Carey pushed for Tim Raines, who was uh, elected, I believe, in his 15th and final year of mm-hmm. eligibility. So I, I think there is a very strong chance he gets in. However, I, I do share uh, the concerns here. Um, I both because I do think there's a sizable contingent that will refuse to vote for him just because he's a designated hitter, 
there's a contingent who will refuse to vote for him based on the fact that you know he has the counting stats are not at the level of Hall of Fame of, of many Hall of Famers, and I'm also worried because I'm a Mariners fan and I've been taught over the last 17 years to uh, not expect too much because apparently we don't get too much. So I I certainly have concern. I hope that the voters will do the right thing, but uh, we'll see. Patrick, have you ever watched the film The Secret? He, uh, he can't answer this you. Is a he's, well, he's in the computer. This is for uh, a call and response. We're this working on object permanence with John. Th this is a call, and eventually he'll respond. But I'm going to respond at this moment and say, uh, The Secret posits uh, that putting the thought and the... Uh, belief and the emotion out there into a thing helps uh, actualize it. Um, it's part of new thought, which Zach is a big proponent of. New thought? New thought. Um, and uh, similar to New Ageism? Yes, which we also Not wanted to discuss Not in great fan. detail. Uh, and though, uh, so I, I think go watch that film. Um, What's the movie again? The Secret. Um, is it, do they reveal the secret in the film? Uh, the secret is uh, well. You'll, Wait, yes, you'll have to figure it, it out. Well, you have well, to. Figure do, it. I just want to know: Do they reveal it? Absolutely. Well, then, is it very much of a secret? Not by the end, but at the start. Mm. You're you're all constantly living in the secret. Doesn't seem like it keeps well. You know? Well, not yeah. a movie you could really watch twice no. if you know the secret <laughs> the whole time. Probably Fair didn't enough. do too well on DVD. Yeah, very, very happy to have such a devout secret keeper uh, to to be to be a good friend. I'll be your secret keeper, Grant. Thanks. I definitely wouldn't trust John to do it. <laughs> John is the Peter Pettigrew of secret keepers. That is, is truer things have never been said. This is heartbreaking I stuff. I firmly believe he would turn both of us over to a dark wizard to be killed just because he. Well, wants he wouldn't to. mean to. He just would. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to a new <laughs> question. Uh, there's one from uh, Andrew Spicchiati. Wow, uh, we are so sorry, Andrew. Yeah, did my best, didn't nail it, probably. Uh, my question is, uh, how the heck do you practice for hitting against Blake Trinan? Well, given that I topped out as about a 200 hitter in varsity high school baseball, I'm probably not the best person to be I though. High OBP, yeah. It, sort of it, a low-slugging, high OBP kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I believe I remember intentionally shifting the shortstop back like 12 feet because you hit floating line drives directly <laughs> over the shortstop every single time. Man, I'm really, really glad that you are such an asshole about my hitting ability <laughs> you said in front of the entire you world. You said I would sell you out and to you a just, dark wizard. And you just <laughs> did. <Not> intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely wouldn't mean to it'd be like oh like oh where's zach and grant oh they're in that house over there oh shit you're evil you know it would it would yeah anyway i don't think you can really hit blake trinan is it trinan is it, it is trinan okay um there there's not much hope i feel like i would you you kind of just gotta like take till two strikes and then just start aiming to foul the ball off every time and hope that he walks you? Like, I, Is he I one of those hitters you just have to guess on? You just have to guess fastball or cheat cheat slider? I mean, it, yes, but also, like, the fastball just is 97 to 99 and moves, like, a foot and a half. So, like, even if you guessed right, you might just have... Next to no hope. Like I, th I think the the pitching ninja Twitter account was essentially made exclusively to showcase Blake Trinan's pitching move. You know, pitches moving unnaturally. Um, so I don't know. I the, we have like the te the technology now with pitching machines to make uh, you know to replicate the movement and spin rates, um, but even if you took I think a lot of a lot of reps off of him. I think we'd need you'd need a mid-season hitting off of twenty of of thirteen Edwin Diaz's before you started getting comfortable. Edwin's Diaz. Edwin's Diaz. Excuse me. Just to give one number about how good Blake Trainin has been this year. If Ed there's more, I'll be upset. 
Edwin Diaz has an ERA plus of 202 this year, which makes him 102% better than uh, the, the league average pitcher. Blake Trinan's ERA plus is 462. So Blake Trinan has been 362% better than the general league average pitcher. And I imagine that for extremes like this, that stat doesn't work perfectly, but it certainly does indicate he's been really, really dang good this season. That was, that was two numbers, Grant. Indeed. You, gave two. <laughs> you have to leave. One statistic. <laughs> one metric. Arguably give, six give me... numbers. <laughs> I'm worried about your understanding of the concept of number, but yes. I think yes. he means digits. Anyway. <laughs> Again, my point stands. In conclusion, fuck Blake Trinan. Yes. Uh, and also he should be on our team. Speaking of fuck those, that person, uh, the champion at HDRobot on Twitter... Uh, asks, what do Garfield kids really think of SAS kids? That is, Seattle Academy of Arts and Sciences, which I believe has recently changed themselves to move themselves further away from both the arts and the sciences and rename themselves exclusively just Seattle Academy. Oh, uh, um, SA. Yeah, SA. Um, what, I, know, I know the two of you have some experience. Grant, I believe you have a... A mem- some some blood in the uh, blood in the game. I, I do, and were. I think it, it shows exactly what we think of of students of Seattle Academy. My brother attended that school for sixth through eighth grade, and the first chance he got, he went to Garfield High School, where he graduated. So, uh, when given the option, he said, "Yeah, no, thank you," and was very happy to leave Seattle Academy. Actually, he might not have been happy. I don't I don't really know, but regardless. I think we just don't pay them any thought at all, you know? They're like, we don't like you. We're like, we don't think about you, you know? That's just how it is. Zach, did you ever date anyone who went to Seattle Academy? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's ex- that is an extraordinary fact. I, I am frankly staggered to believe- to learn that. Um, yeah, they're, they're, we, we had uh, some of our best... Uh, sort of crossover players come from that school since uh in, in baseball in baseball and in uh football we okay, had yeah, you, we gotta, had, you gotta clarify that yes fair fair not the schools just the the sports that we were shitty at while i was there and again um, to clarify we in this case is not the seattle mariners the team that uh we write about and that we have no, always used we throughout. Garfield. it is garfield I, I i try to use we for the the garfield experience and when we say greatest public institution in Seattle, we mean not that, by the way. <laughs> we mean not that. Some of us. Uh, true dogs. True, yeah, true dogs. Um, yeah, it's fine. They're, they're, they're little. They're, they don't have Picoras anymore, so they, mm. they're in mourning and, and deserve our sympathy. That's a tough one. Um, our next question comes to us from... Uh, Seattle fan number nine at Seattle underscore nine. Uh, it's a, it's been a running theme throughout the season, uh, really throughout the last half decade. Uh, but worth checking back in on again. Is Mike Zunino good? I shouldn't be the first one to talk. <laughs> it could be a one word answer from each, and then we can elaborate. All right. No. Eh. Yeah. Uh, Greg, give me some more on that. <laughs> give me some more on that. Eh. Mike Zanino is good in that it's fun to talk about Mike Zanino doing fun things. Mike Zanino is not good as in he is not an all-star or above-average catcher. He is a perfectly fine catcher. Given how hard it is to find perfectly good catchers, I'm more than excited to have him on the team, and he's a pretty a guy that's a pretty easy-to-root for player. Um... You know, could the Mariners upgrade at catcher? Sure. Uh, is it on the top of their list for things they should be doing this offseason? I don't think so. So, you know, he's not good, but, you know, Mike Zanino is good. And I will stand by that because then I get to be really excited when he hits the ball 450 feet off the glass in Houston. Zach, give me, give me some no juice. Uh, I mean, he's fine. He's fine. Oh, backing off what has been one of your most steadfast positions. Look, he He's so unfun to watch. He's the worst player I've ever watched. Like, 
in terms of how much I enjoy watching them. It's I mean his strikeout rate is almost forty percent. He just you know watching an at bat of his reminds me of Rob Johnson with power, right? I mean it's just you're he goes up to the plate and you're pretty sure he's gonna strike out. It's just you could say to anyone who doesn't know much about baseball, hey, this guy's gonna strike out and be right most of the time, and then they'll be all impressed. He just strikes out so much. You know. That being said, he's fine for a catcher. He's he's worth some FWAR. He's a good defender. He he does fine things. They probably wouldn't be able to upgrade from him without committing resources that they don't have. So he'll have to do. He's fine. He's just not fun to watch. I hate watching him. It's miserable. He's such a shitty hitter. You know, here's a statistic for you, Zach. You numbers lover you. Uh, in in the last day, Mike Zanino has one walk, and you have none. So That's, wow, you got me. You got me, Grant. <laughs> just throwing this out there. Yeah, he does have a walk. That's a good, that's a big deal for but, Mike Zanino. But, I, you know, we were talking earlier, actually, about Mike Zanino and about uh, the type of hitter that he is, and... Um, you know, his WRC plus indicates that he's not a terrible hitter. He's, you know, league average ish or a little below. Um, but I think what's most frustrating is that he tends to be the kind of hitter that, you know, he doesn't get many hits. He doesn't walk much, but he does hit a lot of home runs. And that's not that helpful when you're hitting eighth in the lineup. You know, if he were able to get on base a lot, especially for a team like the Mariners that is so top heavy with so many good hitters, you know, one through four or five then, you know, it'd be nice to be able to get on base at the end of the lineup and have those guys hit you in. But it ends up being a lot of, you know, Mike Zanino hit a solo home run in the fifth inning, the Mariners still trail 2-1. to one. It's the notification I think I've gotten about four times this season at least. Uh, so, you know, I, I wish that he were able to, you know, trade off so he was the same overall hitter, but it was much more getting on base and a lot less slugging. But, you know, overall, he's fine. Uh, I I do think he's good. I, I think I, I don't think I'm far off from where Grant is, but his his skill set is such that he can individually carry you through a game, and often also will look atrocious. Um, I, I think we we saw him look pretty rough a lot of this year, and he's looked a lot better recently. Um, but the th- the thing about him really is just that his floor is so high because of his defensive uh, skill set and because he has one of the best arms of any catcher in baseball and he is one of the best framers in baseball and he is by all accounts a fantastic uh, pitch caller and and sort of manager of the bull- of of the uh, pitchers so. Um, you know, it is exasperating to watch him flail at times, but um, I, you know, I, I enjoy the fact that I, he is unique in that in any count, I feel like it's just as likely he will make, he will hit a home run as, as any. I, I feel equally good and bad in an 0-2 count as I do a 2-0 count, uh, which... While not necessarily sensational, is is entertaining to to take in, um, and man, when he gets into a ball, it is unlike anything other than, I mean, really Nelson Cruz that that we've seen. Um, in short, he's fine. Not fun to watch. Nah. Fine. Mike Zanino is fine. <laughs> um, let's see. How about this question from uh, from? It sort of plays off of it. Uh, also from from Andrew, uh, side question: Is it realistic to expect our hitters to become more disciplined? Sands, Span, and Haniger. Um, and I, I guess I would also add in, well, or even point to uh, to this question. Uh, Nelson Cruz is a guy who was always unbelievably powerful. Um, I mean, you know, just peak peak raw power numbers, uh, but really, like, was not, especially for much of the middle of his career, uh, you know, wasn't an impressive on-base guy. You know, he wasn't an especially disciplined player. Um, and since coming to the Mariners, and, and as he's aged, has become better and better at becoming disciplined. So I, I do think 
in the long view, it's not, uh, you know, it's not out of the question to think guys like, uh, I mean, Zunino or, uh, you know, uh, Redia or, uh, I mean, even Hanniger himself, you know, could get better and better at, at choosing pitches. Uh, even Healy could, could be a, a player like that. Uh, but it's tough to imagine it happening before the end of this season, right? I, I mean, Seager is one thing because Seager in the past has shown an ability to walk and to, to take pitches. And mm-hmm. I think he's sort of getting back to just saying, screw it, I'm going to try and pull the hell out of the ball and be a decent hitter instead of hitting a bunch of balls to the opposite field right at people. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, is are there any players that, yeah. No, not not for the rest of the season. It's one thing to make a change at the All-Star break or when you've got a little bit more time off, but I can't imagine any hitter making a dramatic swing or really approach change in the last 40 games of a pennant race. I think that's that's mm-hmm. that's far too much to ask for a hitter. Um, you know, in the offseason, sure. I mean, you know, any of our younger guys or any of the guys more recently acquired could certainly make a change with the help of Edgar, with the help of some of the other video uh, scouts within the Mariners. There are certainly things that can be done. I just don't think there's a high chance of anything happening uh, between mid-August and late September. Yeah, you hope they change their results, but not their process. Yeah, and I think that's Mm -hmm. the key, really, is like uh, the majority of the team is built around good contact. Um, and, or at least good results on contact, you know, cause D Gordon is based around kind of making shitty contact and then beating it to first anyway. Um, and we've seen with guys like Healy and, uh, D when that contact doesn't work out or the ball is hard hit at somebody, you get really wretched results. Um, and it is very possible that that could turn around in a, in a streak uh, sooner or rather than later. But uh, I, I don't think we're going to, I think that a, a BABIP spike is more likely than a, uh, than a improved walk spike. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we can finish up here with a, with a more broad question here from staff writer uh, Anders Jorstad. At Anders Jorstad on Twitter. Is it uh, not Jorstad? Uh, it very well could be. You should I, really know this. Well, I mean, it's. I believe it's not, but I mean, more traditionally, perhaps in, in the Scandinavian. I, I defer to you, our Scandinavian roots. Durs, you spell your name wrong, or pronounce it wrong, or maybe you do pronounce it right. You should tell us how you pronounce <laughs> your name. <laughs> Are you now talking to the computer? I'm talking to Durs, <laughs> who's, I guess, yes, he's in, in the, the computer. computer. In the com- yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Durs asks, what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to each of you in high school? Um, Grant, do you, have, uh, do you have something? So, the one that comes to mind, uh, every year, our, our local, our, our local... Our school <laughs> newspaper would host a three-on-three basketball it's tournament. The Garfield High School Gar- newspaper. Garfield the- High School, The Messenger. Indeed. And uh, this tournament, uh, unsurprisingly called March Madness, uh, was a fundraiser for the newspaper. And uh, as you might expect at a uh, basketball crazed school like Garfield, it was an incredibly popular fundraiser. And so every day at lunch for probably like a month and a half, really, uh, there would be one or two or maybe even three games going on. Uh, that were three on three, and and so our, our senior year, uh, no, this would have been our junior year. Uh, John, uh, Zach, and I were all on the same team. Do you remember what our team was called, John? What team uh, we for? What our team name was? You know, I don't recall off the top of my head. It's it is possible. I'm I'm sure it was asinine, but it was something inappropriate. Uh, most likely, most names tended to be something inappropriate, or at yeah. least you know. Very, very, you know, barely shielded from being inappropriate so that mm. the teachers wouldn't figure it out, but the students knew. Wasn't it the second coming, but coming with a U? 
That might have been my team name a different year. That seems more likely. I definitely had at least one March Madness team named that. I thought it was with you guys. Could have been. Seems like something we would do. Hard to know. Well, anyway, so uh, we were uh, a team together, and we actually fared decently well. um, And we managed to to get to... uh, We won our first two rounds. First first couple games. Uh, there was also another rule I should mention for this tournament where if you had a varsity basketball player on the court... Men's were, or women's. You were only allowed to have two players on the court. So you could have that varsity player and one other player. And so uh, two members of the class below us, so two sophomores, had uh, intrepidly decided to go up to Tony Roten, who at the time was one of the top 20 recruits in the entire country, was about a year away from, I think, winning Pac-12 Freshman of the Year and being a first-round draft pick by the uh, Memphis Grizzlies before he ended up being a Philadelphia 76er, and now he's... Unfortunately, a number of ACL tears, but yes. I believe working back towards but it. He was in the, the G League. He was at one point the top top recruit in the country, and you know, the senior year was still a top 20 recruit. Um, and so they, these, two, uh, these two guys went up to him and asked if he would be on their March Madness team, and he said, sure. And so they named their team Tone and the Scrawny Boys, and they uh, we, we played them, and unfortunately the first time we played them we were going to win, and then Tony showed up about halfway through the game and managed to play just enough for them to tie us, so we had a rematch. And in that rematch, somehow we ended up with, I think, a crowd size of you know three times the previous crowd size. There were probably over 100 people watching this game. It was, it was very popular. And uh, at one point... Uh, I was I, I somehow found myself switched on to guarding Tony Roten one on one around the three sure. point line, and I did not it's a like good matchup. For yeah, us. did not like where that was going yeah, because our best on ball defender. We didn't have a strong coach. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Roten had about a nine inch or about ten or honestly twelve inch like height advantage over me, yeah. and it was a pretty. You know, pretty unlikely I was going to have any chance at guarding him, especially since he was now dribbling the ball about as high as my face, which I figured is not a good omen for how this is going to go down. No, and so, was it, though? Well, so it wasn't, John. Thanks oh, for asking. No. Because actually what happened is, uh, after a couple of dribbles, he dribbled the ball, reached out with one hand, and pulled my shirt over my head as he dribbled right past me and crossed me over. And so I... Staggered around with a shirt over my head, couldn't see things as he just destroyed me on the way to the hoop. Did you call foul? I did. I did not what? call a foul because I didn't know what to call. And also, uh, the last time I had ever crossed Tony Roten in a basketball game was in middle school, where, where I stole the ball from him, was coasting down for a layup, and he body checks me <laughs> into the wall. So I figured calling foul might not go over too well. Yeah, but we did not. We did not win that game, as I recall. No, unfortunately. we did not. We no, got dumpstered. Yeah. It was not But great. it wasn't because of Tony. It was because the scrawny, scrawny boys. Like the Matthew kid. Paley. Wherever you are, Matthew Paley. Matthew Paley and Joel Thompson. We still remember that game. Yeah, it drained some threes. It, it felt was bad. impressive. Yeah. It was, I, was ashamed. I was deeply ashamed. Dude. Zach, do you want to go next or you want me to go next? Yeah, you go. All right. My, mine is, a, is uh, also actually within the gymnasium of Garfield High School, um, which simply was that... Uh, our senior year, uh, I I had developed a reasonably solid uh, rapport with our principal at the time, and I believe still the principal, uh, Mr. Ted Howard. Uh, Mr. Howard had begun referring to me as Big Country uh, because at Garfield I was relatively one of the most country uh people because i listened to country music and wore jeans and flannel a lot um and so he would begin to introduce me as such to various people uh and also at uh at sporting events uh or at rallies like when he called me down to uh have a dance off with joe the security guard at the middle of a pep rally um as big country troopin and i believe the only dance move that i was able to bring to mind was the dougie which i'm sure i executed masterfully but uh i i i don't i think i blacked out entirely as to what the voting process was by cheering you were hurt by the fact that there was no flossing back then that yeah, was really true your, your i would have been so money with the floss but uh 
No, the the worst part, the worst moment was getting called out of class uh, on the 40th anniversary of the passage of Title IX, which was very cool and exciting, and we had a number of noteworthy uh, female uh, figures from Seattle, uh, both from sports and from uh, politics and various other things, and so... uh, coming to Seattle or coming to Garfield to talk to a number of sports teams. And we had Megan Rapino and a few other members of the uh, Seattle rain. Um, I don't remember the rest of the slate of folks, but I do remember that one of them was Senator Patty Murray. Uh, And as a member of student government, I got to meet this group of folks who, uh, Mr. Howard introduced me to as Big Country Troopin', uh, which elicited from Patty Murray, who was at about two and a half feet shorter than me, one of the most quizzical and then disapproving <laughs> looks I have ever received in my life. So, uh, mom in tennis shoes, John. Indeed. And that was the point where John gave up on his political ambitions. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a that was a rough one, uh, I must say, but. Could have could have been worse. Could have been worse, I suppose. Zach, what do you got for us? Oh boy, lean uh, lean in and tell us a tale. Uh, send us send us away here. I think the worst thing that I remember, at least, it wasn't in front of a lot of people. Um, though I did embarrass others in front of people, like <laughs> the time I asked my girlfriend out to prom in That's the middle right. of the the middle of the gymnasium during an man we had like for as as like atypical of a call of like a high school experience we had like a lot of bad in the gymnasium stories i'm realizing yeah well the gym is a bad place nothing good happens in a gym should be noted that zach asked his girlfriend to prom while wearing the bulldog costume it was sweet although very hot i felt bad i was you know asking her to prom sweating it was bad it was bad anyway um yeah, no. So this story will make a lot more sense if you've seen the movie Super Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every story should be prefaced with that. But it's a bad movie, for the record. I know a lot of people like it a lot. You're wrong. Uh, it's a bad movie. But <laughs> basically, I uh, I wasn't too smart, and I'd just seen the movie, and... We basically, near my house, had a convenience store, and we'd run into some seniors. Me and and my group had run into some seniors near the convenience store, and I was just a freshman. And for some reason, I got it in my head that it would be very, very funny to go up to the seniors and knock on their car window and and say, license and registration, and then call them a chicken fucker, because that's what (laughs) they did in the movie, Super Troopers. But I did that... They were upset, understandably. <laughs> they, they didn't. They didn't take kindly to that. So, you know, they kind of got out and kind of stunted on me. But you know, I was fourteen and they were eighteen, so they were like, you know, they were cool in the end. And so they let me go, and I should have been okay with that. But as they're driving away, I kind of jump out in front of their car, and they almost hit me, and they don't. And they're like, "Why did this idiot?" you know, basically almost kill himself jumping in front of our car again. And I lick their windshield and I say, the snozberries taste like snozberries, which is something they said in the movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but they basically, they'd had enough. They weren't, they were unhappy. And so they got out of their car and they pulled a paddle out of their trunk. and, and they, <laughs> As one does. <laughs> yeah, they just happened to have one, which, fair, for a situation just such as this. And they, they chased me all around the parking lot and eventually cornered me. And I essentially got on my knees and begged for not my life, per se, but for my ass. And, and they did spare me, but only after I'd been completely robbed of my dignity and... It's all coming back to me, and I feel yet again <laughs> as if I'm robbed of my dignity, but it's Thanks, okay. dudes! Apparently, Willy Ro- Wonka references told through Super Troopers do not age well, or do not translate well as jokes when one is 14 to 18-year-olds. 
No. Oh, is that a Willy Wonka It is a Willy reference? Wonka reference. I had yeah. no idea. The strawberries taste like strawberries. The snobsberries taste like snobsberries. Got it. Well, that makes... Yeah, see, it's a bad movie. I don't know. I Willy Wonka was a bad movie. I mean, it's that, a bad movie referencing a bad movie. That is blasphemy and slander, and I kindly ask that you leave this apartment. Grant, how do you feel about Grandpa Joe? From Willy Wonka. I'm not going to defend any individual characters, including the people who just sat in bed for 20 years and they were like, actually, yeah, I can get out of bed now. Like, but yeah. that movie is a wonderful, wonderful film. Like, I love Gene Simmons. Was that him? Uh, I'm definitely Wonka. not the lead singer of Kiss. No, okay. Who is, <laughs> who is the actor? Gene. Although, <laughs> that would have been a fucking hell of a thing. Gene, a Gene Steratore. Gene Wilder. I believe Gene, Gene Wilder. Oh, Gene. <laughs> Gene Segura. Gene, Gene Warrett. No. Wilder. No! Wilder, Wilder, Wilder. Yeah, he's cool. Fan of Gene Wilder. Okay. I believe it's a film about... Gene Wilder killing children, right? They don't die. No, they don't die. They just get, they just get dis- fat, elongated, shr- shrunk, and, like, and um... put in a shredder, right? Like one of them definitely gets like stuck oh, in no, a tube the trash forever. Tube. No, okay, yeah, stuck in the tube, so he gets really skinny because he ends up going through the tube. One gets uh, put into, um, one gets a lot like stretched out. Uh, or that's, no, Mike gets stretched out because he gets shrunk down. Right. Um, oh, Veruca yeah. wanted a trained squirrel, and she goes down the trash chute. And, then, and, and Violet becomes a giant and Violet blueberry. Become, and Violet turns Violet. You're turning Violet, Violet. So, um, like... They don't die. They just suffer horrible fates that will leave them... Okay, maiming children. They'll be social pariahs for the rest of their lives. Like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, okay, yeah, see, this is what I'm saying. It's a <laughs> fucked up movie. Uh, I'm not debating that. I'm just saying it's also a but great, a great, a great journey of child yeah. I... Terrible, but <laughs> yes. great. Thank you, Ollivander. <laughs> thank oh, you, Ollivander. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, for joining us for another episode. Um, we uh, will be back next week. Uh, with some combination of uh, of a cast here, of some staff members. Uh, the Mariners have uh, a day off, probably today when you guys are hearing this. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> uh, we've got a, they've got a series against the Dodgers and a series against Houston, because why should anything ever be easy uh, or relaxing? But uh, hopefully see you guys, some of you guys around at the ballpark or or somewhere more affordable where you can watch the game uh, sometime soon. But uh, thank you, Zach and Grant, for, for coming on. I know it took a while for you guys to all, all get here, and uh, you've got a long drive ahead of you now. But I uh, hope you all have a good night.